Hi, this is Joanne Gerbing from Gordon's Heated Clothing, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. So after 15 years, <clears throat> my uh, garbage or my dishwasher broke. Your dishwasher. Now that's uh, you're talking about the you don't ha- you don't hire somebody to wash your dishes. You actually <laughs> you have a machine in <laughs> yeah. there, right? Yeah, the machine was uh, dripping like crazy, and so that means you could take it out and replace all the parts and put it back in, but might as well just get a new one. I agree, yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's not why we're here today, as usual. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, welcome to the Soundwriter Show, folks, and uh, apologies on the being a few days late with us. We've been uh, unpacking from the rally. I just got the last bit of camping gear washed up and packed away. That's good. Um, and just kind of taking care of all the odds and ends that happen after an event, like actually paying people. That's important. Yeah, that's as important. part of the staff there, I would say that's a uh, important thing. Uh, but let's uh, talk about uh, what we're doing today, and that's the September show. So we're doing the September show, and we do want to talk about the rally. But I, I don't. Uh, what I want to do is uh, we've asked people for feedback on how the rally went for them this year. Sure. And so we're going to jump right into some of that feedback and answer it live here on the show. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to be slipping uh, pieces of paper over to Derek, and he's going to be handing them back to me. Or you and just take the whole stack. Right, and we had, did get a lot. And of, I have it in order. A lot of great feedback here. So. We did. In fact, we have so much. We might do two sections of this. We'll see how time goes. Yeah, and I must say for myself, uh, this was my first time attending uh, the rally in the gorge, and I too also had a hell of a time. So I thank you for having me down. And uh, we had some great weather, some great routes this year, and um, you know it just seemed like a great time overall. And I don't know how you feel about uh, comparative wise to rallies in the past, but. It seemed like a lot of a lot of happy people. So this, this was a good one for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of happy people, and actually, you'll notice that I I just highlighted up stuff in these emails. Um, there's a lot of nice compliments in there, but I want to address issues that people want to talk about. So we we'll skip all the fluff. Sure. Well, let's actually start right now with uh, Greg uh, Aitken. Uh, he actually does a little bit of both here, and he says, "Tom, thank you very much for an excellent experience doing my first moto rally ever." Improved my riding technique significantly after taking the Team Oregon ART and Mike Sullivan Mary Hill Loops trainings, both a major highlight of the whole summer for me. The fun ride to ORP was also great, with a chance to make some new friends along the way. Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, he follows up with that, was just to say that I also think an opportunity to demo some bikes would be fun, especially for a new rider like me who hardly knows the difference between a street bike and a dual sport bike. All right. Yeah. So I have some responses for Greg. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, Greg is my kind of rally guy. He comes down to the rally. He takes advantage of the training that's available. He even paid for the Mike Sullivan training. Um, but the art, the Team Oregon art was just part of the rally. You didn't have to pay anything extra for that. And uh, this guy notched his riding skills up yeah. a little bit at the event. And that's what we want people to do. Uh, cuts our liability down a lot when they ride better. That's true. Uh, as for demo bikes, we have done those in the past, 
And until we get our numbers back up to the 500 range or whatever, sure. <clears throat> uh, you won't see any demo bikes at the rally. Now, just make sure you understand. You could go to basically any dealer in Puget Sound, and if your credit's good and your license is there and That's your endorsement's right. there, you can ride any motorcycle, with the exception of maybe a Modus. <laughs> but you, I, I think even with a Modus, if you're if you're down to doing the paperwork, you can you can probably I ride. Say, it. I think the dealers will beg you to take a test ride, right? I mean, that's that's their bread and butter there. That's true. Yeah. So uh, you want to ride demo bikes? I encourage you to go out this weekend and demo any bike you can get your hands on. Absolutely. And I would say just on a kind of a note to that, Harold uh, with Giant Loop did bring a demo bike. He did. That's yeah. correct, and so he was, was doing one. sign-ups for that. So you could have ridden the CB500X, but Greg, you you took advantage of the rally. You got in there. You you and you really soaked it all up, and uh, I love it when people do that. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of uh, the feeling that I particularly got was one of those things where. The routes, too, are kind of organized in such a way that they can be a little bit progressive, too, right? So you get down there for the first couple of days, take a few training clinics, do some of the easier routes, and then the next couple of days maybe do one of those more challenging ones and uh, just see how your skills improve in one weekend. We'll talk about that in a second, about the the ratings on the routes. Fantastic. Who's next? Well, let's move on here to Chris Fant, uh, who has a few suggestions. He says, things I might suggest, perhaps each night a different type of movie, a dual sport adventure one night, a cruiser movie one night, and a sport bike movie one night. Um, and then he also goes on to say, an easier way to connect with people for rides. I'm not entirely sure what this would be, but perhaps people willing to be ride leaders could leave messages on the rider board about the types of rides they are willing to lead and the skill level, as well as the times they are planning to leave. We did find people to ride with, so the current system may be fine, but we had a desire to ride with other people and weren't sure how we would make that happen. All right. Yeah. So... Chris, here's what's happening. We've been doing this 13 years. We used to have lead rides. Right. And after every lead ride, I got the pleasure of writing an accident report for AMA. I don't like to write accident reports. Sure. Insurance carrier doesn't like me to write them either. So we decided that we would provide everybody routes by way of maps and descriptive information about those routes, and let them do it on their own thing. So what Chris did is exactly what we want to see happen. Right. We want people to meet each other at the rally. Maybe they go take a ride together, decide if they want to keep riding with those people or not. Uh, but and, and smaller groups, rather, you know, like you have a snaky group of 20 or 40 people. Yeah. Man, you're going to have the handle. wrong guy in between two yep. other people, and something's going to happen. That's right. So that's why we do it the way we do it. And you're right. We have the rider board. Some people use it. It doesn't get used a lot. Um, you know, people would say to me, well, I came to rally, and I didn't know anybody. Uh, yeah, you don't know anybody. you got to get out and meet them. That's right. Well, that's kind of one of the reasons why we open up with the burger feed on Thursday night, right? Exactly. We had a lot of people talking to each other this year. Great exactly. turnout for that. Now, on the movies, we, we usually do mix it up a lot more than we did this year. What happened was we got a hold of that Isle of Man 2015 highlights. And then all of a sudden we realized this thing is four hours long. Yeah, a little over four hours. Nobody's going to sit through that in one sitting. That's so, right. you know, we try to cover the sport bike guys and then it's the sport touring, you know, guys like sport bike stuff too. So we did two nights of that. And then on the last night, we did have a, um, a dirt bike video. Yeah, that's right. The War Machines. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the problem with getting a dual sport video is they are few and far between now. They used to do the international six days enduro highlights, just like they do the Isle of Man. Sure. They stopped. Oh, really? So we, you know, heck, next year I could show you the 2006 ISDE highlights <laughs> if you want to see it, because I got it. But, uh, you know, there's there's uh, Helge Peterson stuff, and I don't think he'd want me showing it at the rally without paying him some big bucks. Of and, course, then that's something to consider as well. And there's the, all the IBDRs and the, all the BDR uh, things that Sterling has put together. And I, I, we show those when someone like Sterling is, is a guest at the rally. Of course, yeah. So it just kind of turned out that way this year, and next year we'll mix it up. And who knows, maybe Dana Brown will come up with another really good motorcycle movie right and you know i noticed a lot of people too this year that uh you know sort of as the night was winding down a lot of people sitting around campfires you know chatting it up with their friends and that kind of stuff too so there's some alternatives to movies as well yeah and you know we, we call it the three ring circus right and yeah. uh so there's there's movies going on and there's people socializing and uh i don't know let's go let's That's do good. the next well, thanks one to chris for the feedback there anyway uh, this one comes from Len. Uh, it doesn't look like we have a last name on this one, but Len says, This was my first Gorge rally and enjoyed it. Only two things come to mind. First, to help the gate folks, how about a small headlight sticker to show proof of registration along with the wristband? Most gloves cover the wristband. Better visibility. Uh, second, possibly two food vendors for some variety. Thanks again, Len. Okay, so yeah. two, two things to cover here. Uh, the headlight sticker, we've bounced it around. We don't do it. Uh, the reason is, uh, we, it, it hasn't happened as of late, but we have had hooligans who have come to the rally. Sure. So let's suppose that Hooligan Joe comes in and I issue him both a wristband and a headlight sticker. He's going to go out, back out of the fairground, and put the headlight sticker on his buddy's bike. Right. And then that guy's going to come in and not pay. So it doesn't work. So, yeah, I know, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt, stopping there and, and uh, raising your arm up to get your wristband to show. Sure. But, uh, uh, you know, unless we uh, come up with some RFID chips that we can implant in your helmet <laughs> right or something, your brain, yeah. uh, it's not going to happen. So that's what's going on with that. Now, on the food, um, you know, we had 270 people at the rally this year. Yeah. So I don't. I, until my numbers go up higher, and they have been going up, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we had a low of like 196 or something a few years ago. Sure. So they have been going up. Um, and until they go up higher, I can't ask for two. Personal opinion. Yeah. yeah, really good food. So, so uh, you know, we'll do that again. And I don't know how many times uh, Len ate at the truck, so maybe he doesn't know the diversification that was going on there. That could be true. But, again, I just uh, – my compliments. I had a great pulled pork sandwich uh, from Manny. I had some awesome breakfast items. I had a great burger, I think, uh, on the last or second to last night. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed everything that I had there. And just having him there, too, I thought was just, was just really great. I saw a lot of uh, happy people, so – Yep. Hopefully, so, hopefully thank, we'll see him back, too. Thanks for that feedback, Len. Uh, next up, I've got one from Joe, and Joe says, This was my first rally in the Gorge. 
Overall, I had a great time. Loosely organized is a good way to go. No pressure to be anywhere ex- except where you want to be. If I could add anything, it would be to rate the dual sport rides. Some of us with big dual sport bikes have some issues in certain areas. Maybe put a note in the handout whether an area or road is big, big bike friendly or not. Other than that, everything else is great. Keep up the good work. Thank you. So, yeah. uh, I'm not sure if Joe was reading the description. <laughs> Just looking at the maps, maybe? Yeah, yeah. because the, those areas he's talking about were pointed out. Sure. Um, the Barlow Trail, we said it from the get-go. Right. That this puppy is not going to be the smoothest ride you ever took. Yep. Well, it's and a trail. It's not a road. It's a trail. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's not because it's not a road. It's not maintained. Right. It's just a trail, sure. and it's pretty much you know taken care of by the people who use it. Um, and then when we talked about Nestor Peak, we we told everybody when you take that right turn to go up to the peak, it's a short distance up, but it's it's right. a bit rocky, Absolutely. and you know there'll be some marbles on there. So. Uh, you know, we have done this in the past where we say we give it a rating, uh, easy, advanced, intermediate, yeah. and people go, well, what does that mean? So, so subjective, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, what's intermediate for me might be advanced for him. Well, yeah. So we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll continue to uh, explain it in the descriptives. And uh, I know, I know uh, some people have some great times out there. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's part of the thing that I really like about the rally, and he mentions that too to, in the beginning of his comments. There is sort of the it's organized but loosely, right? Where you can kind of take your own time. You can do what suits your skill level. You can always turn back if you're not comfortable. You can always get a little extra training. You can yeah. find someone to guide you through. You do have options out there, and um, you know I think he's probably not alone in maybe uh, thinking that you know having some ratings would be uh, helpful, but at the same time. It's such a subjective sport. I mean, a guy on a Tenere versus a guy on a DR650, right. it's like... That's why I think yeah. it's just better to say it in the descriptive. That's it. You know? Yeah. And uh, um, what do you mean? What are you talking about loosely organized? Man, <laughs> it you busy from 8 in the morning to 10 at night. Well, I think... Actually, I can, I can sympathize <laughs> with him on that. I am not really an organized events guy, and it's something that I actually really enjoyed was the fact that, you know what? If you wanted to just you know buzz out to downtown Hood River, which is a beautiful little town, and hang out and have coffee for the day, you could. You could come back. You always knew there'd be something waiting for you. You always knew you could go take a ride. I really liked the organizational structure. I think that, for me, was one thing that really stood out about the rally in the gorge. So the way you have it set up, I thought, was, was really, really great. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next one here. This one looks like it's from uh, Pablo Gonzalez Gandolfi and his wife, who goes unnamed in the comments here. Uh, thanks for holding the rally. Unfortunately, wife and I were unable to get to the gorge till late Friday evening after registration was closed. Uh, and he says in parentheses here that he stayed at a hotel, which there's some great ones in Hood River. Our goal was to register Saturday morning. However, when we got to the registration building on Saturday, a sign was posted that you would not be back till 3 p.m. In the end, we were never able to make it back to the site. That was disappointing. What do you think about uh, Pablo's experience there, Tom? Pablo. Yeah. Pablo, the rally starts on Wednesday. Come and get the full rally experience. But I know things happen, and people are trying to travel, and things slow them down. We don't know if he had a flat tire, mechanical. Sure, we don't know. there'd be a lot of issues, yeah. But here's what we do know. We know that if you look at the schedule online, 
And it's been this way for months. It said Saturday registration would be open from 8 to 11 Mm -hmm. and reopen at 4. Right. So he missed it just by, if he'd hung out for an hour there, he could have uh, got registered. So this means that Pablo showed up at sometime after 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. It wasn't really Saturday morning like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. It was after 11 and as I say, it was stated on the uh, on the schedule online that he could have seen from his hotel room. Yeah. Now here's the deal, and this is why we don't have registration open Saturday. By Saturday, everybody has gone either to Mary Hill Road or they're out riding in front. The place is a ghost town. It is. Yeah, the entire uh, fairground was empty Saturday afternoon. And the other thing is, is that there's five of us who get up at six in the morning and go to sleep at ten at night. Five days in a row. And so that's our time to take a little break. Connie and I got in the car and went up to uh, Cloud Cap Inn and had lunch. Right. Uh, it's just a, a chance for us to relax a little bit and not have to work after working all those long hours. So uh, sorry <coughs> sorry we weren't there, Pablo. Sorry I didn't make it up that evening, but uh, I hope you come next year. And I will mail your maps and the program to you. In advance, yeah. Well, certainly I as well hope to see Pablo there next year. Now moving on to the next one here uh, from Tim and Julie Moore. And they say, uh, for RV sites, I would like to have the convenience of having septic hookups. It seems we are in a pattern of bad weather during this time frame. I would like to see it move back a couple of weeks and see if that helps. I would also like to see more emphasis on sport bikes with the participation of more vendors supporting them. It leans a bit heavy on dual sport bikes. It's cool, but just not of my interest. Other than that, I enjoy the fun of the rides and talking to other riders. I will see if I can return again next year and hope for better weather. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Septic hookups. That's right. Um, I don't know how old this guy's RV is, but I know that most RVs have a tank in them, right? As far as I know, I think that's one of the features, yeah. And we do have a dump right there. We have a, we have an RV dump site right there at the fairground. We don't camp near it, sure. but it's there. <laughs> right. Uh, and people were using it on the way out on Sunday morning. They were they were depositing their Where's, stuff. Right. <laughs> um. So that's there, and uh, we we do have the, you know, yeah, I know it was a little rainy and a little windy, and I had to get up and go pee in the night, but, you know, that's, put your hat on. You won't get so wet on your head. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't think we're going to see him put a septic system in. That's that's a really tall order for a fairground. That is, yeah. If you're KOA and that's what you do as your main emphasis, then you have a septic system. But if you're the Hood River County Fairgrounds, uh, we're just happy we have such a nice facility. That's right. right well, there. you know, maybe we start that uh, Soundwriter Kickstarter campaign. If we can get uh, 10,000 oh, pre-registers yeah. Uh, yeah. for next year's rally, they'll step All up right. and... So then the weather versus the date. We have had this rally over 13 years. We've had it in the middle of July, the end of July, the beginning of August, the end of August, and the beginning of September. And the dates that we had for this year are the ones we like. Right. It's the weekend before Labor Day, um, and it's actually starting to cool down as we witnessed. Now, if you go back on your weather forecast or weather history for Hood River at the end of July, you will see that it was about 110 degrees in a day. And, uh, uh, you know, you know, I could sell a lot of cooling vests with sure. that kind of weather, 
But I know everybody would be a little more comfortable riding and you know, a little bit of rain, that kind of thing. You know, we're here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of riders learn, are learn used to, to have that. a good time. Uh, the nice thing, too, is that you can buzz out to the east and it's a lot drier out there towards Goldendale and Grass Valley. That's true. Although I found for the most part the weather to be pretty good this year. I, I mean, on this, the yeah. last day we had a little rain, the last couple of days, but for the most part I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, sport bike versus dual sports. Well, um, it began as a sport bike rally. Yeah. And we grew it and opened it up to dual sports in 2006. Um, and th- that, that particular genre is a very popular genre of motorcycling right now where we're seeing sport bike uh, sales actually dropping off. Yep. And so, uh, but, however, Ray really enjoyed doing the rally from Raiden. Yep. And he just happens to be the man at Icon. So we he's talking about coming back next year with all the Icon motorsport stuff. And, uh, you know, like I say, with, with 270 people, we're going to try to, you know, we'll get what we can. But uh, uh, people like Ray really help make the rally that much better and we'll we'll keep working on other people yeah i had a great time talking to ray and i guess also something is kind of on the sport bike note i talked to several people um who were telling me that this was uh their first dual sport bike that they were riding uh sport bikes and they had just switched six months ago or they just bought this bike a year ago or they Mm -hmm. even a lot of people within weeks so uh just kind of seeing that different trend um, there's definitely, you know, I mean, adventure bike riding uh, is just, it's blowing up. I mean, it has been for the last couple of years. So, it has been for yeah. almost 15 now. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems uh, in particular, uh, we've seen uh, just such a, a huge growth there. That That's something I forecast to see probably for the next few years as well. Yep. Uh, moving on to a comment from Mike Gerard. He says, my son Luke and I had a great time. We found the events to be well organized and the facilities great. We were secure and comfortable camping and the washer- camping and the washrooms were great. Our only complaint was we didn't have enough time to do everything we wanted, and we left Saturday morning because of the rain and the long ride home. Next year, we will definitely attend again, but with our RV in both street bikes and dual sport bikes. Um, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Street bike and dual sport bikes. He's bringing them both. Right. And that was something that we saw start to happen Definitely. around 2007 or eight. was people were like, well, wait a second. I just get a trailer and bring the sport bike and the dual sport, and then I'll swap back and forth. That's and right. We have a number of people who do that now. And so. if you if you play it right, um, you are not the guy with the trailer. Your uh, friend is, and then he trailers all the bikes down for uh, you and six other guys, and then you just ride your one bike down, right? And you hope he doesn't have a mechanical on the RV on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, As minor, has happened in minor the past. details. Yeah, maybe that's what happened to uh, our friend who couldn't make it out. We talked about it a little bit earlier. And what's the other? Uh, and in terms oh, of it... suggestions, I just want to get through that real quick on Mike here. Uh, okay. The food vendor was okay, and the lack of alcohol sales on site was not a problem because my wing has a beer cooler. Well. We can all survive with uh, with uh, BYOB, even if we don't have a beer cooler on our gold wing. Uh, and the way you do that is you take a dry bag, yeah, fill it full of ice, and ice down your beverages, right. and you're in good shape. Um, we're not going to have a beer garden on site ever. Yeah, uh, We've done it in the past, but we're not going to do it anymore. It's just easier for people to do BYOB. It's a heck of a lot cheaper. Sure. And you're satisfied having what you want to have instead right. of what that what two spouts that guy brought for the beer garden that night. And some people don't even want beer. Right. Now, we try to have wine, but they don't like that kind of wine. You know, so um, 
So it's BYOB, folks, and uh, get your dry bag out and fill it full of ice, and it, it's, it's, it works out great. Yeah, and that kind of sounds like what Mike did there. And he says he'll be returning in 2016, so we look forward to seeing you there. We have had him on everything this year. He's, he's done the Cafe to Cafe. Great. He's uh, done Sasquatch, and he'll be with us on the road trip tour also coming up in October. In October down in Sonoma. That's fantastic. Uh, next up, we've got a comment from, is it, uh, it's Larry, is that Nice? K-N-I-E-S-S. Uh, and Larry says, I found the food vendor expensive considering what was available so close in town. At that price paid, I do feel charging for tent camping was too over the top. I have been to many rallies, and tent camping is usually free if it is held at such a large venue. I was a bit disappointed at the seeming low turnout, in quotation marks for seeming there. Maybe it was a fact that the area was so large it made participation seem low. I would be interested in seeing what the numbers have been over the years. All right. Let me address these uh, food prices. I thought Manny's food prices were okay. I thought they were good. Uh, you know, you get a Happy Meal at McDonald's now, an adult Happy Meal. Right. It's $8. Yep. I paid $9 for a six-inch Subway sandwich package yesterday. Yeah. Now I got double meat, but nonetheless. <laughs> <coughs> well, so, I, would uh, get I don't meat know. In quotation marks there at Subway. I don't know where uh, where Larry's getting his food prices from, but uh, and remember too that when you're eating down the gorge, you're not paying sales tax, right? So uh, you know, Manny's stuff was priced at around what uh, eight to eight to ten bucks, maybe. Yeah. Well, eight to eleven bucks, I think, was the top that I yeah. saw there. So, but with the, for for the eleven bucks. certainly at this but uh one of the things again that was great it's great about the rally in the gorge is that people are out riding so during the day exactly and know. there's people who are registered for the rally who don't camp there yeah so it does look like a lower turnout but it's not right so. and we kind of saw that i mean during like the burger feed and that kind of stuff we would see the crowds uh bump up yeah. quite a bit so yeah. those are uh you know, and, just and, uh, know. you know a lot of thanks to all you guys on the, on the meals for uh keeping up 
My, and it wasn't very many times that we ran out of, of yeah, I thought it went burgers. Well, yeah. We never ran out of burgers, but there was a slowdown on the barbecue once sure. in a while. But uh, but we, we, we got it under control. I didn't hear any, and nobody's complained about that in yeah. any of these emails we have. A lot of happy people, and we certainly enjoyed having everybody out there, especially at the burger feed. That was uh, a really nice event, get a chance to talk to some people. Yeah. Uh, next up from Keith Thomas, uh, Keith says, Really missed the social aspects of the bike barn. It was a great place to meet you, check out all the bikes, and talk shop. Also, the official fun run. Making the fun run requires so many various other rides left no time for exploring or doing your own thing, so it seems like no chance of winning anything, so we didn't bother. I understand how hard it must be to have staff out at all those locations, but it seems like maybe a one-day event with no staff and doing selfies at locations or something would have kept the group ride-slash-social aspect. And so, that's from Keith. So Keith remembers the bike barn from the Skamania County Fairgrounds, where we used to do this. At. I see. Okay, and uh, it's an added expense that we don't want to incur right now. But it doesn't mean that you're not seeing any bikes. They're all out there. They're all parked out there on that parkway. Yeah, we saw a lot of bi- a lot of people talking too. A lot of yeah. people talking shop. Yeah. Uh, so it's just you don't have that barn over your head. Uh, frankly, I didn't particularly care for the bike barn because we always had to configure it in a kind of wonky way to get people in and out and have one way traffic in there. Um, but, you know, uh, we're not bringing it back right now. And uh, there is a facility on the fairground that we could use for that, but we're, we're not going to do it right now. But but please, Keith, come back to rally anyways. Um, the fun run, hey, I do it different every year. And uh, Keith's been to the rally before, so he knows. Um, this year, I decided to do it the way I did it. Right. I put a lot of those locations on the recommended ride routes. Sure. So you just kind of got to them anyways because you were going to Oregon Raceway by way of Doofer. And so you could have picked it up right then. Uh, you, you could have picked up the Trout Lake one if you were out. You know, so anyways. Yeah, well, it seemed like the fun run uh, was kind of organized and such that uh, for those that wanted to kind of capture the entire experience, right? Or he could have gone yeah. for the low score and just hit one. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we... we, we uh, Pointed out the people who got the low score, too. That's right. And uh, I'm just going to run through just a couple of quick comments that we had on our Facebook page. Some nice stuff. Uh, one from Darren Morrison, who said he had a great time and toured some awesome back roads. Uh, and just said thanks for uh, putting it all together. Hopes to see us next year. Uh, also, just some quick hits from uh, people like um, Jesse Metz, who said great time as always. Only 364 more days. Uh, this is a couple days ago, but uh, certainly we hope to see you <laughs> in another 300 or so days down there again, uh, Jesse. And uh, Whitney Coberly, uh, good times indeed. And Matt Green, great time. Uh, and he just says uh, we need to share some more photos. So, you know, we All have right. a couple more comments on there, there too. There's, there's so. lots of, yeah, yeah, if you want to read those comments, they're online. That's I know right. we're down to half hour here on the show right sure. now. So, uh, I, w- I will tell you this uh, rally is uh, August 24th through the 28th in 2016. Already got dates scheduled, great. Already set. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with News Bites. Hi, this is Don Doherty with All Moto Tire, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Hi, this is Tracy Jeffries, and I'm one of the Dirty Girls. And one of the places that I love to go get dirty at is over in the Leavenworth Plain area.
So welcome back to the Sound Riders Show here in the Crow's Nest studio. Uh, Riders, thanks so much for tuning in, as always. We're going to talk about some news items here in the News Bites segment. We're going to start off with a bit of sad news. Uh, Ron Ayers has passed away. Tom, what can you tell us about Ron Ayers? So Ron Ayers, uh, a longtime writer, iron butt enthusiast, and tour operator, uh, about 20 years worth of tour operation and iron butt riding. Uh, unfortunately, 72 years old, he passed away at his home down in the uh, southeast. Uh, we don't actually know, we know that it was cancer, but we don't know what type. Uh, David Huff will have a very nice sort of an obituary piece uh, in the upcoming issue of Soundwriters, so watch your newsletter for that. And uh, certainly our best to uh, Ron's family, and uh, we look forward to David's piece coming up in the uh, next issue here of uh, Sound Rider. Um, on a little bit of a lighter note, um, and a better, more positive note, that is, uh, we have the Honda Africa Twin has officially announced U.S. pricing. It looks like $12,999. Tom, now, uh, we're known as a Honda guy here, and this is something that we've been keeping our eye on, of course. What are your thoughts on the release price for the Honda Africa Twin? Well, you are the one who found the European price first and did your math and said it should come in around, what, eleven two? Right. So that was actually the Australian price. Oh, that was the Australian price. Yep. So you, you did your, your Australian the, dollar versus U.S. dollar and yep. said it should be about eleven two. Yeah. So why it's at twelve nine? I have a few theories. I think it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, I got an NC700X, and I paid 7000 for a 700cc motorcycle made right. by Honda. Awesome bike. Uh, I'd, 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 I think 11.2 would have been a really good price for the U.S. I think at, at 12.9, basically that's 13,000. I think they've eliminated a number of people. Um, but I believe that they, you know, Honda's always been the premium of the Japanese brands and they've always priced themselves as a premium brand in amongst the other Japanese brands. Uh, if you look at the most, probably the most, comparative bike to the Africa Twin is going to be the Suzuki V-Strom Adventure. And I think that price is in the 12. I think that's what the range is. I'm actually trying to find that here uh, specifically right now to see what the uh, Adventure model specifically is. But specification-wise, it looks like there's a lot of similarities there. So they so they basically they put the bike up. You couldn't imagine that Honda would price it lower than a V-Strom Adventure. It wouldn't I just, they, they couldn't do that. So, Well, I mean, I can understand, I, I suppose, that uh, point of view there. Although, I, I okay, so the base MSRP and the 2015 uh, V-Strom 1000 ABS Adventure is 1399 so $1,000 more. Than How much is point. it? $13,000? Yeah, excuse me, $13,999. Well, you're getting us in trouble again. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so see, so... Uh, uh, and that was the base price. And did they say on the Africa Twin if they're doing a separate DCT price and a separate ABS price? There is a separate price out there. I'm not sure of the specific uh, price spread on that, but I know the base model is supposed to come in at uh, 12999 Okay. So so that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. They're right. just trying to stay close to that V-Strom Adventure price, even though they probably would have made money and sold more units at eleven two. Sure. That's what I think. Now, uh, that being said, what they will do is they will capture the BMW riders who are ready to trade in their F-800s. Without so question, yeah. If you're looking for a used F-800, uh, I would uh, say maybe start knocking around the Honda shops in the winter, and you yeah. probably find a few. 
Well, it's true, and those are going to be popular, I think, on the secondary market there. Now, overall, did you have any thoughts on sort of the specifications of the Africa Twin? It looks like a pretty solid bike. I mean, it looks like it's going to fit right in. It's an adventure bike, and in my book and in your book, too, an adventure bike is a great bike to take on the pavement for a long ride and an okay bike to take off-road now and then. Sure. Uh, I think Harold's got it right from Giant Loop. His uh, CB500X Rally Raid package is, uh, is a lighter weight more suitable for off-road type work than, say, a 1,000cc, 500-pound motorcycle. That's right. It's a lot easier to handle, you know, in uh, not even just the tight stuff, but on those sort of washboard roads and that kind of thing, which we see a lot of with the weather changes like we have out here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, with that said, though, the Honda Africa Twin, I think it's going to sell a lot, right? I mean, it's just oh, yeah. the way that the market's going right now for those kinds of bikes. It's going to be a huge competitor. It's not going to knock on the door of anything like the KLR650, which is so much more uh, affordable, much more less expensive, and kind of appeals to a different crowd, but still uh, a great-looking bike. And uh, we've got some pictures up on our Facebook page that you can check out as well. So. I think that there's still room for Honda to put in a middleweight dual-sport adventure bike what do you think the hesitation is why no one's doing that? i mean so often for instance even like the super tenere people are like you know if i could get a super tenere that was a 650 or if i could get you know even maybe now the africa twin that was a 650 why is there the hesitation well, to do that and don't anybody tell me that the xr 650 l is the one that i'm talking about because <laughs> that's that's like 25 year old technology down yeah. there uh, i'm talking about taking that cr CRF 450 power plant sure. and rounding it out into a dual sport bike. Well, and it seems to me, um, you know, when we talk to so many people here in the industry and we talk about a lot that the uh, the younger market is uh, sort of disappearing. We're seeing older and older motorcycle riders. And, of course, you know, everybody's working to get younger riders involved. But with that said, what we're starting to see is a lot of people trading in their heavier bikes, even their uh, your 1200 GSs and whatnot, four lighter bikes things we like are. drz 400s even klr 650s which are considerably lighter yeah um so it's a, it seems to me just as you know sort of an observer and a reporter on the industry you kind of look at the uh the companies behind it and kind of go you know what are you doing what are you waiting for and the, and the younger guys want lighter bikes i mean we yeah. saw you know we saw several people on uh, klx 250fs absolutely so they they want they want smaller lighter bikes they, they want to Go light and go fast. That's right, yeah, and explore deep, right? I mean, that's something you can take on a single track in the, the crappy roads out there. So, yep. uh, But speaking of technology developments, there's been sort of a rumor floating around and uh, some grainy pictures of uh, drawings for a hybrid motorcycle from Suzuki. No real details on it, but uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the next gen of engine power? Do you have any thoughts on that, Tom? So those pictures came from a patent request? That's right, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, jury's out in my book until I I see one in action. Uh, we know where it's at with electric bikes; they're just they're not there yet. Yep. In terms of uh, of uh, distance, range, yeah, range and and charging time and all that. Uh, a hybrid that's going to be interesting. But you know, if it's like the cars, I mean, it's just loaded up with batteries. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the one advantage, of course, is, uh, you know, acceleration, which maybe doesn't matter uh, too much on, you know, half the bikes out there. But um, that's one thing that could possibly be a benefit to it. I guess it's just kind of one of those things that you have to continually do R&D on. But until we see something, you know, a little more concrete or a network of electric charging stations out on interstates, you know, maybe it's just food for thought, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, But speaking of new and innovative bikes or maybe old and classic bikes, uh, the Portland 
uh, International Motorcycle Show is coming up at the end of October. And, of course, we're going to be doing our uh, Northwest Motorcycle Show uh, sort of classic uh, display down there. And we're still looking for some great bikes. So, Tom, how do we encourage people to come on down and join us in Portland? So you just uh, go on to the Soundwriter site and find a link for Show Us Your Bike. We'll get that up in the next day or so here. I I may have it up already. Uh, But anyhow, um, put your bike in. And uh, if we like the way it looks, and you're going to be there with us on uh, to drop it off Friday and be there to pick it up on Sunday, uh, all the bikes have to stay in the show the whole weekend. Uh, we'd love to have your bike. So, um, And, you know, Portland's new territory for us in terms of going to a motorcycle show. We That's have right. a lot of readers down there. And, uh, and I'm going to be making a couple of phone calls here and there to people that I know down there who can help me connect with some people who have some cool bikes. So we will put the show together. It'll be grand. Uh, we're really looking looking forward to going to the show in Portland. I'm year. excited to go down there. You know, Portland kind of has its own separate, unique uh, motorcycle culture from that here that we have in the Seattle area, and I think it's really going to be great. I mean, uh, the Seattle International Motorcycle Show, obviously, it's a bigger market uh, sort of geographically and uh, population-wise, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Portland. I think it's going to be a good turnout, and I'm really excited to head down there this year. Yeah, it'll be a good time for us to uh, meet people who read our magazine but don't always get to see us. That's right, so so. come on out and uh, shake some hands. Uh, And speaking of the Portland uh, International Motorcycle Show, we're going to talk about some calendar events uh, when we get back here in just a second, so stay tuned for that. Hi, this is Gary LaPlante from Moto Ventures, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Yeah, I'm Tech Steer from uh, Wenatchee, Washington. One of my favorite rides is uh, from the Columbia River up through the Klickitat Gorge to BZ Corner and on into Glenwood. Yippee Rip City. Well, just a reminder, we didn't really tell the listeners that we're going to have special guests today. That's right. Very special guests. And that'll be coming up in the next segment, but it's, it's going to be uh, Steve and Walt from the Hog Radio Show. And I'll, That's right. I'll tell you a little bit about why we're doing that just before we go into the interview with them. Sounds great. Because people need to know that we actually ripped that interview ahead of time. That's right. So it's been a couple of months. But um, let's talk about the calendar because September's here. Still a lot of good riding left and a lot of interesting things coming up. A lot of things to go and see, a lot of places to ride, including coming up on the 6th, which is just uh, you know knocking on the door here, the Top Gun MX Championship at Washougal. Always a popular one. Always a lot of traffic. So if you're going, get there early and plan to sneak out when the traffic's low. Uh, this is uh, in the past. This has been called the Loretta Lynn Nationals. Um, I don't know how Top Gun stole it from Loretta Lynn, <laughs> but uh, uh, this is always a big event. So well, it sounds like fun, and that's just coming up here on the sixth anyway. All it- kinds of classes, racing, adults, kids—you name it—they're out there. So you want to see some good dirt bike racing? Go out there. If it's raining, it's even better because everybody just looks like mud people. That's right, mud bike racing is <laughs> at its finest there. And then uh, coming up on the 11th of this month, we have some uh, flat track racing at Oahe Motorcycle Club track. What do you know about that, Tom? 
Well, that's out in Idaho, and um, one of the oldest motorcycle clubs in the U.S. Is that true? Yeah. Really? Out in uh, Idaho? Out in I Idaho. wouldn't put it on that, but... I guess- and I'm pretty sure, for sure, it's the oldest club in Idaho. But uh, uh, that'll be happening, and then they'll be doing that again in October. We keep their their dates on our calendar so you can see them. That's right. So always a lot of activity out there, and that's in Nampa, Idaho, of course. And then on the 16th, a little more locally here in the Seattle area, always a favorite, Backfire Moto. Yeah, so somebody at the Seattle Weekly wrote an a article that got onto the AP Wire about how Backfire Moto is like the biggest uh, – motorcycle monthly motorcycle event now in really? the u.s no kidding. i don't know if that number is right i know there's a lot of people that go to it well i tell you what i think i'm going to do some live reporting this month and go down there myself because uh, ballard's uh, right next door to me so i'm going to head on down and for those people you know i would just mention if you live you know maybe an hour or so outside of the area and you have good weather coming up here on the 16th um what, what the hell? Make the trip down. Ballard's a great neighborhood. You can have a great meal there, see some motorcycles, have some fun, you know, hop on your bike and get out there and ride, right? And in fact, if you could uh, come a little earlier, you could skirt the traffic because by like 5 p.m., Seattle just hell town. Yeah, that Seattle uh, it goes from traffic to parking lot, I think, at about 5 o'clock. So. And uh, if you can't make that, though, uh, maybe head down to Portland and check out the Omra Racing at the Portland Raceways. So this will be the meeting between Omra and Wimra, Washington and Oregon uh, racers. So they're, 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 you know, all the little quiet uh, duels will be going on. Right. Uh, that whole CB160 club that races down there. Uh, I, you probably don't know about this. I don't but know about a, the There's a group yeah. of guys, and half of them are in Washington, half of them are in Oregon, and they're having their own little internal competition between each other on this race. So so uh, should be a lot of fun, as, as well as all the regular 600 class and, and Formula one or whatever they call them you know? right so well we no longer have the uh blazers versus the supersonics but we've got wimra versus omra so go on and check that oh, out. i'd rather watch motorcycle racing than a basketball game anyways okay well fair enough uh and also on the 18th if maybe you're a little bit further out of the region here say out in uh Piety, idaho you go to the big nasty hill climb so, uh, like it says, come smell the nitro. Right. <laughs> um, Ron Dillon puts on a good show out there every year, and uh, uh, some crazy stuff happens, too. Like, there's a guy who trailers in a, a hot tub, and then there's, like, a lot of uh, kind of naked hot tub people at night. You know, I... It gets a little out of control down there. You know, as somebody who lived in Daytona Beach for a while, my experience with motorcycles uh, and naked hot tubs is not... Uh, as aesthetically pleasing as you would hope. <laughs> My opinion of uh, motorcyclists getting their, taking their clothes off is yeah. please don't. That's right. Always. At, 99% <laughs> of the cases, please keep your clothes on. At all times, wear appropriate gear, please. <laughs> uh, but it should be a good time. And just to kind of read you the highlights there, it features three days of hill climbing, camping bands, dance floor fireworks, kids area, helicopter rides, pro bull riding, snowmobile grass drags, and much much more. I think that much, much is talking about the hot tubs there. And of course, uh, a little bit later in the month, uh, coming up towards the end on the 25th, uh, South Sound will be having their monthly bike swap. Always a good time. Well, it's not monthly. Oh, excuse me. They're... Uh their September bike you know, swap. A lot of people right. think that's every month. <laughs> they do some regular bike they swaps. They do. Though. They do two a year. Is, okay, is what I know. They do two bike swaps a year, and then they do two gear swaps a year. I gotcha. So that'll be happening. If you're interested in putting your bike into the bike swap, just go to their website. There's a link from our site to it, um, and you can find out what you need to know to get the bike down there ahead of time. Um, 
I don't think it costs you anything to put it in. Uh, but if it sells, then they take a, a nominal commission. Nice. And in some cases, if they like your bike and it doesn't sell, they'll take it on consignment right there. Oh, so. well, that's great. So if you're looking to upgrade or just add a, a different, uh, get a different feel underneath you there? Well, if you're looking to collect a little money so you have some cash to put a down payment on your Africa Twin. That's right. <laughs> Always good. And, of course, uh, not in September here, but we want to give people a heads up because we here at Soundwriter – have a great event coming up in early October. Tom, what are the latest plans for a road trip down in Sonoma, California? So we're getting a lot of uh, kind of late interest from people on the road trip. We already had a dozen people signed up. Great. But uh, we're getting more people that are going to be signing up. Uh, we talked to people at the rally. You know, uh, we know a lot of retired people, and they need stuff to do. That's right. So no uh, we've got some more people getting on board here before. Between now and then, we've had some few people sitting on the fence. Uh, somebody sent me a note the other day that said, uh, you know, how will the fires affect the tour? Sure. And the answer to that is, A, we don't know the actual fire situation until a day or two before the tour because it could rain and all the fires could go out. Uh, but... Uh, we always are able to work around any fire situations. So if we need to do a reroute, I go in the hotel room at night and do the reroute. And in the morning when we have the rider meeting, we upload everybody the new GPS route for that day. Well, and that's such an enormous region down there, right? I mean, there's a lot of great roads to choose from. So I'm yep. sure that, uh, you know, either way, it'd be well worth your time. And hey, what pairs better with, uh, you know, some wine than a little smoked almond, right? Or some smoked almonds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to be right back with that interview, and we'll get you set up on what that is, and then we're going to roll it for you. Hello, this is Harold Olaf Cecil from Giant Loop, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. All right, my name's Sean. I'm from uh, Bremerton. I got a KLR650 and a Goldwing, and my favorite ride is anything that involves dirt, uh, especially if I'm on the Goldwing. back with uh, a special interview coming up here but before we do it i want to let you know what's going on um back in january when we had just cut our first pilot show maybe i think so yeah uh, and nobody was able to hear that because we didn't want to embarrass ourselves too much <laughs> uh but we got invited by uh by walt and steve of the hog radio show to come up and talk about what we were doing and so uh i said to myself at the time i thought well you know what we, we need interviews for our show too so i worked it out with steve and uh you and i and connie went up there and we did our whole interview about soundwriter and then we turned around and uh, ran a new piece of tape and rolled an interview with them about their show that's right uh, which they've been doing for a long time now in seven years and at that time i think it was show number 358 or something like that uh but since then time has gone by we've been sitting on this interview and um so when you hear it remember it was recorded in january yep and uh and this week is sort of the celebration of their 400th show this, this current week here in Congratulations September. Congratulations to them, yeah. So, you know, good job, you guys, pulling it off for seven years. And I think he even makes some money out of it because he syndicates it. But uh, uh, so 
without further ado, here's our interview. Check it out. With Stephen Wall. To the Soundwriter Show. Uh, today's guests are uh, fellow podcasters and fellow internet broadcasters, uh, Steve Johan and Walt the Rev Frazier. Fletcher, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, he doesn't mind. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for coming in, guys. Uh, well, first of all, we'll get out there. Uh, www.thehogradioshow is where you guys can go to hear uh, their broadcast, which I understand is a weekly broadcast. And uh, speaking on that, uh, we were just talking a little bit off air. This is going to be your 368th episode. Is that correct? That's yeah, correct. we did that tonight. And so yeah. it's pretty amazing. We've done a lot of shows. And 368, and what is that? That's over seven years, that's my understanding. Yeah, we started in November. Of 2007, and so we just eclipsed that uh, a couple months ago, I guess. And we've had some of the most wonderful people you can imagine yep. on the show. Well, anybody that's involved with motorcycles, uh, they tend to be wonderful. That's my perspective, anyway. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely true. So, how did this come about for you guys then? How did you get into uh, <laughs> wanting to put a show together and then staying with it for seven years uh, so consistently? That's a pretty impressive feat. Well, I was on a uh, road trip in 2006 going through the Black Hills and Yellowstone and. Uh, Devil's Tower with my family doing a road trip. And are we four wheels or two wheels? Two wheels. Four wheels. Steve. Four wheels. Four okay. wheels in a van. And we were camping all along, and I kept running into all these motorcycles, mostly Harleys. And I thought, what's going on? What's going on? And I, I asked somebody, I said, what are you guys all doing? Oh, we're going to, and I went, and they go, we're going to Sturges. I went, oh, Sturges. Of course. The yeah. Great Migration. Okay. A perfect well, place to take your family. Yeah. Yes. Well, fortunately, we... <laughs> the we, ultimate uh, family uh, destination. Well, we didn't yes. get into it, but we did stay at Custer State Park. It had been our yep. second time through. My wife and I did it way back in 90, and then here we were in uh, 2006 doing it again. Anyhow, I was uh, doing a online 24-7 radio station. It was all dedicated to rock music, and I was looking at a way to make some money because we couldn't run ads in the music because <laughs> of royalty issues. It's all online. So I said, why don't we do some standalone? So I was kind of figuring out what I could do. And on the trip, I just got this, whoa, look at that. You need to reach that group with a radio show. And so that's where it came from. I came home, and a year later, we launched it. And in the meantime, I started looking at who I could bring in to do hosting and co-hosting. And I called up the local dealership here in town in Linwood. And I talked to one guy. He was our marketing guy. He says, well, you talk to Brady. So I talked to Brady, and Brady says, well, I know this guy named Rev Walt. And I said, Rev Walt, okay. Uh, Okay, and I got a hold of Rev Walt, and we... Walt, and uh, we yep. met at Sh- Sherry's, and we kicked it off and hit it off just fine. I said, yep. this is what i got to do. We've got these great plans. I've never done a radio show. Well, I actually did uh, three months here locally. And what do you think? He says, hey, it's worth it. And then, you know, four yeah. months later, we launched. And, yep. of course, that's where all great broadcasting begins is from Sherry's. Is what my, uh, that's, it. that's where yes. it all starts. <laughs> so what Broadcasting what's... capital of the world. I think yes. so, yeah, certainly. Yes. Coffee capital of the world late at night. So it sounds like, uh, Steve, you've got uh, maybe a little bit of inspiration in the early days here. But, Walt, what's your background? How did you get the – well, first of all, how did you get the nickname The Rev? I'm the pastor of a church. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have anything to do with the uh, Harley-Davidson, or is that supposed no, to be a sort it, of double entendre of, play on words there? That's, that's what – that was my road name. They call me Rev because uh, I'm pastor of a church, and I ride a motorcycle, and they always say, well, you know, it can go both ways. You rev, Walt, or and he likes Rev the motorcycle. And I like what? Loud pipes. And I like, oh, I love loud pipes. Sure. Yes. Organ or uh, Harley Davidson, right, from a church yes. to the yeah, uh, road a, there. That's a hearing aid I see on the table. Is that correct? 
Yeah, well, I had that long before I had the motorcycle. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that was a result of the loud pipes. I don't 17 know. It was years. The result of a loud computer on a submarine is what did that. Also, yeah. maybe a little Navy background, it sounds like, too. Yeah, right? 22 years. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. So let's, uh, in the Navy, is that when you first got, to just got your start riding motorcycles, or nope. was it? I, I actually got out of the Navy in 1993, and I got my first motorcycle in 2005, much to the displeasure of my wife. Of course. But... Um, I was working and neighbors. No, no, they actually my neighbors love it. It's the other idiots that they don't like that they they do all kinds of whiny stuff and so on. But at any rate, uh the I I would work in uh Redmond and I'm going down 405 and I'm watching these motorcycles go by in HOV lane and I'm thinking I need to get in that HOV lane. And so I finally convinced my wife that the savings of gas and so on would all work out to more than the uh, cost of paying for the motorcycle and everything. And I ended up getting a little Sportster. And uh, so I would ride it to work. And then after a year and a half, I told my wife, I said, you know, I really need to get a bigger motorcycle. And so she said, okay, this is working. And so I went and got a Heritage Softail Classic. Um, and I had uh, Big Black for seven and a half years, and then last summer, a crazy lady ran me off the road, and he was destroyed. So I now have a 2014 uh, Road King that is in uh, a color that they had, last, 14 only, which is sand and uh, canyon brown combination, and so I call that one Sandy. And uh, I love it. And so it sounds like uh, your entire uh, motorcycling career has been dedicated to Harley-Davidson's. But what about you, Steve? What kind of bike are you currently riding? Well, I started riding in 1980, and it was a Yamaha 650 Special. And I ran that for about 11 or 12 years, sold it, and then started a family. And so I haven't really had a motorcycle since. And now I'm saving my money, and uh, I'm going to get whatever I can afford for about $1,000. And do you have any interest uh, in any particular genre there? Myself, I'm a dual sport rider. Do you think that would be something you'd be interested for in? For 1000 bucks, I'm probably going to go for uh, 650 or 900 CB, something like that, mid-80s. Okay, so a little... Just so I can get on, back on the road, have a lot of fun. And right where I you will, left it, right? Yeah, then I'll... Well... I, I keep telling him to look on Sound Rider in your... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I check your, out our Hot Seal yeah. bikes or our used bikes. Yeah. We've got those uh Okay, I did see a brand there. new Harley for like 8000 right? Oh, see, that's a good deal. If you that was get, back yeah. in the old days. Yeah. That was back in the old days, yeah. But anyway, I, well, maybe that was a lease. Forget it. That was a lease program. A little different than buying one. So um, <laughs> never mind. I'd love to – I'm kind of a – it would be interesting because Adventure Bike gives you a lot of opportunities. But I've never done any off-road riding, and so I'd have to really bone up on that. Uh, a big cruiser would be nice because then you could put your wife on the back and, and head out yeah. all day. Um, but like I said, I'll probably get a little more of in between your normal size and a sport, but not a total sport. Well, you could always go for a couple of different machines. It sounds like uh, Walt has got the practical argument thing uh, down to a pat here. So uh, <laughs> yeah. if you need I'll any advice, you, you just Mary. talk to your yeah. co-host yeah, I there. know. That's and it. you know, here in uh, in uh, Puget Sound, the, the benefit of living here is that 
If you're going to start riding a motorcycle again, you should probably go out and take the basic MSF course I already anyways. did that. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. And then ride the bike around for a while, whatever, whatever one you get. But if you do decide you want to get a dual sport bike, we have several different people now in the state who offer the off-road right. riding training. And we're not talking like two-track, single-track. We're talking like four-service Pretty gentle gravel oh, road great. type riding, yep. and just you know get you a little more comfortable with it, and then for sure you'd you'd want to go out and do some some you know day rides yep. with other people and that sort of thing, just to really get used to it. And then we'll let you come on Sasquatch after you get a couple <laughs> miles. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I can tell you, I think it would be a lot of fun doing the off-roading. I did a little off-roading with my street bike, and I enjoyed that. Um, I can imagine having a real bike to actually do that with. And you can go in so many more places that you can't do with a street bike. That's right. Because it bottoms out. And a uh, shameless plug here, uh, I did put up an article on Soundrider of how to buy a dual-sport uh, motorcycle. Oh, so you okay. go check that out. We'll Thank give you, you the rundown there. <laughs> uh, I want to just get back to the show for a second here. Obviously, uh, we here at Soundrider are just getting started in the uh, internet broadcasting world with uh, our Soundrider show, which we're actually doing right now, as I'm sure everyone is uh, plugged into. Um, what uh, kind of advice do you have for us uh, as far as getting into the business here, trying to make sure uh, we maintain a certain level of consistency and keep bringing new and informative uh, information and stories to the, uh, to the motorcycle public? Learn to be yourself. Yeah. Walt and I are both ourselves. It's who we are. Yeah. We don't try to be anybody else than who we are. And when you're relaxed and comfortable, your guests will feel relaxed and comfortable. Yeah. If you're uptight, yeah. you're trying to push things, people will feel that. They'll get they'll get kind of cold feet. We've only had a handful of guests in our whole total time that were really hard to get going. Right. But even then, about halfway through, yep. they started talking. Right. Because yep. we were so comfortable and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, that's like just having a cup of coffee or a beer around the table. That's what yep. we want. Yeah. yeah that yeah. works really good for us. And that's the whole thing is you just you just have to have fun. You just sit there talking to people about things that you're already interested in. And uh, I always my thing is I love what I refer to as back in the day stories. You get some of these guys that have been at this for, you know, decade after decade after decade. And they'll be talking about, well, back in 1970s when we're going to such and such, you know, and and it's like, and then they'll just go off on all of these stories right out of left field. And one other thing I'm going to interrupt because we do that a lot on this show. (laughs) Don't worry what people say. You're always going to have detractors. There's always going to be individuals say, I can't stand the way you talk and the way you act and I don't want to. Fine. Move on. Not everybody wants to read your post. Same thing with your show. Don't let that bother you, because if you do, you'll 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 quit. Yeah, you get crazy. Yeah. Well, I think uh, good life, uh, good advice for life or motorcycle riding in general. Uh, be yourself and don't let anybody get in your way. And on that note, I think we're going to wind this up here, fellas. Uh, Steve, Walt, thank you so much for taking the time to have us uh, to come in and sit down with us here on the Sound Rider Show. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys out there on the road. Oh you yeah, bet. thank you. Hi, this is Manny from Manny's Lonchera, located near the awesome Rowena Curves in the beautiful Moisture, Oregon, and you are listening to the Sound Rider Show. Hi, I'm Sharon Coop, and I'm from Surrey, B.C. My favorite ride is going out Highway 30 up to Vista House, and then we go on over to Larch Mountain for the most amazing view of five volcanoes, a view you will never forget once you've been there. You have to take that ride. It is excellent.
ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sound Rider Show. You know, we always try to leave you here with some good motorcycle information, some tips and tricks. And Tom has got a great one this month that I actually haven't heard yet. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that it's great because I know that it is going to be great. So, Tom, <laughs> what's on your mind on tips and tricks this month? So, um, you know, you go to REI and say you're a hiker or a backpacker and they tell you you got to carry the 10 essentials. Like right. The compass and the water. That's right, and, yeah. Uh, and I started thinking about that, and I thought, well, they're definitely different for motorcyclists. Yeah. But what are the 10 essentials? If you're going to leave the house on your motorcycle, even just to go down to the store to do a little shopping, uh, what are the 10 things you want to take with you on the bike? What, what, what would you want to make sure was in there? You know, that's an excellent, uh, an excellent thing to think about because so often, even on those short trips, you know, we just kind of have a tendency to hop on and go, but... Riding a motorcycle is a lot different than driving a car, so I'd be interested to hear your long-time thoughts on this. So I'm still formulating this, but I, I but here's what I've come up with so far. All right. And this is in no particular order. It's basically in the order of my riding checklist. Uh, a toolkit. Yep. I think you ought to have a toolkit with you, even if you're just going to a grocery store. Uh, second one is tire repair. So a tire repair kit, a pump, and a gauge. Because, you know, it gets expensive if you have to tow a bike out from somewhere. That's true. And, you know, when I say we're going to the grocery store, you know we're also talking about, like, maybe you want to ride an hour down to your favorite motorcycle dealer. Right. You get a, you get a, a flat halfway through there. You better be ready to deal with it, or you better get into your 401K and pay the tow truck driver. Because it's oftentimes no different than towing a car. Yeah. Um spares now i have a whole list of spares on my riding checklist but the only ones i recommend you carry with you on a short little hop are going to be a spare headlight bulb because you, there's nothing you can do if your headlight goes out and right. by, by law you have to have that on and you would want it on it after hours of course yeah and yeah. i don't tell you to bring a spare brake light bulb or turn signal bulbs on you know on your 10 essentials because you can use your arms for that Mm -hmm. that's true um another thing is i say uh, carry spare fuses you'll probably never use them but you never know if you're going to need one you know if you have if you turn a heated clothing on and that fuse is kind of already ready to go and you pop it after 10 miles uh it'd be nice to switch that out well cheap and lightweight and takes up no space either i mean you can literally put that in your pocket yep a spare key yeah that should Always be on your good. 10 essentials because let me tell you, you know how much it costs to get a locksmith to cut you a key on site? I don't even want to think like about it. Like 700 bucks. That's about half the value of my motorcycle. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your touring eyewear, whatever it may be. Sure. Um, I, I don't wear, um, I don't use um, colored face shields. Mm-hmm. I see people do that, but man, that just takes up so much space in your bag. And yeah. All. So all my all my eyewear has interchangeable lenses. I can put in a smoke lens. I can put in a driver lens. I can put in a a yellow lens, and and if it, you know, I don't read that well without my reading glasses. So right. that's also part of that arsenal. And I believe we have uh, a couple options at the Soundwriter store for that too, don't we? Oh, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, let's see. And then your, your, uh, paperwork, things like, you know, of course you're probably going to carry your driver's license. Uh, make sure you're keeping those insurance cards up to date and that they're on board. Same thing with the registration papers, keeping those up to date and on board. I just take the insurance card and registration. I wrap them up in a Ziploc bag and I stuff them somewhere. On the right. Bag. You know, I do a little, uh, flying on the side, uh, as a recreational pilot and we have an acronym. 
uh, called Arrow, which is Airworthiness Certificate Registration Operating Handbook and Weight and Balance. So I see. Oh, yeah, I can remember that one. Right, well, there's some similarities there, though, to have that paperwork and even access maybe to uh, a manual and that kind of stuff, just so you can have you know the right tire pressure and all that kind of stuff uh, handy and ready to go in case you need it. Yeah, and the last one I have on my list is a personal digital assistant. Call it a cell phone if you want. They right. do a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, you can like scan your your important documents and hold them in the cloud and have them available on your phone if you ever need them. If you lose the paper, um, but I mean, you know, yeah, you gotta have a cell phone if you yeah. break down or whatever, and you need to call somebody to come help you out. Well, that's especially with like insurance. You talk about Geico, right? That's one of their features now. Where you have digital ID cards. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Huh. So, uh, so that's where that little article project is at right now. I'll probably write it up and put it in the next issue or, or maybe the issue after that. But uh, that's our tip. Always good. Ten essentials. So look out for that in the upcoming issue or two of SoundRider, of course, at SoundRider.com. Tom, what else do we have for the folks today? I think we pretty well uh, covered the landscape here in the Pacific Northwest. I'd just like to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being patient, waiting for this show to come in. Thanks to uh, uh, Steve and Walt for doing the interview with us. And uh, Derek? Mm-hmm. Don't ride like my mother. Excellent advice, and don't ride like my mother either. We will see you in October. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. Content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.